welcome to Underground Magnolia Podcast, Elevated Entertainment with me, the one and only Desiree Valto, in the whole wide world. On this episode of Underground Magnolia Podcast, I'm chatting with former college mate Cynthia Hardy. We attended Xavier University of Louisiana in my hometown of New Orleans way back when. We reconnected at the famed HBCU's virtual homecoming a couple of years ago. Cynthia is the CEO and founder of the Atlanta-based Pivot Global Partners. Her company is a global professional service firm offering, quote, change design and implementation services to mid-size and larger organizations. Under Cynthia's leadership, Pivot Global raises a company's performance focusing on culture, organizational design, change management, and other improvements. In addition to Pivot, Cynthia is an attorney, a tech advisor, and best-selling author of Crossing Meridians, Engineering Disruption to Become a More Effective Leader. In short, Cynthia is a boss, a leadership expert who will help you navigate your way through corporate America and or help you on your way to becoming the best entrepreneur you can be. Now let's listen in as she discusses her company's mission and walks us through making our professional lives more effective especially as we continue to deal with COVID. Our mission is lift and raise. It's Pivot Global Partners. And I'll take that mission and use it as the headline for everything that I do. So whether it is corporately as initially a journalist, then as a litigator in one of the largest law firms in the world, corporate executive in Fortune 500 publicly traded companies. And then as a business owner, my own company that does innovation, leadership, and DEI work, the objective is for clients that we are lifting and raising. And that's not just about performance or meeting mission. It's foundational things that allow you over time to continue the work. That same attitude I take personally. Everything I do, what I commit to, the lens through which I see everything is about lift and raise. And it comes back to a fundamental belief I have that you have to have tremendous passion around what you do, excellence around it, and an equal measure of compassion to understand how it is that you can equip other people to make great decisions, to have avenues so that they can move more quickly, faster, easier, more quickly than I to meet their goals. And so that compassion has me very embedded in the community, focused on education, focused on helping women, particularly Black women and Black folk realize their potential. So whether it's corporate or personal, community, you name it, Lift and Raise is pretty much who I am and what how I think. Now, with your expertise in leadership and organizational leadership, COVID has changed the landscape of corporate America, like nobody's business since whenever. Yes. (laughs) So how does one succeed in this climate where some people are going back to work, but mostly people are still doing things online? How does one succeed? I'll break it into two segments for this response, because this is, uh, I'm stepping back thinking about what I've seen. So let's take the person that's in a job, not really looking to make a change, but needing to be in in the best position possible in that job. The second would be individuals that 
COVID probably has inspired them to make some change. Okay. So in that first group, for those individuals that now have a different working environment that isn't face-to-face with people, thriving in that environment really requires that you use, I tell people, use the time that you now have that you didn't commute to think and plan and be more strategic about how it is that you're going to show up in your role, uh, how it is that you're going to go out and get some additional skills that make you more important, which you can do online, how it is that you really understand how your organization is put together. And you think about moving from just demonstrating excellence to having advocates and champions. And so now you're beginning to play the chess game. You have more time to think this through, but the chess game is a win so that you are promoted. So you're at the table and you're going to think about advocates and champions who can help you get there. And then you're also going to think about how it is in this virtual environment that you continue to have a voice and be seen as a go-to person. All of those things I've seen in a COVID environment, if folks are very focused, they can elevate and not become irrelevant. That's kind of the fear that folks have. Now, if you are in a role and you're not thinking about necessarily only about optimizing what you're doing, but you're thinking about some change. What I've seen is people very focused on upskilling, thinking that it may be an opportunity to move even from the vertical they're in to some other area. Examples are people moving into coding and software engineering, people moving into healthcare related fields and getting the certifications and the the credentials that they need to move into those areas, which are also areas of the future. And when I've seen people do that, they're using, again, what would have been commute time, other time they have to do the research and say, how am I going to make a personal pivot and use COVID time, downtime, if you will, to be able to do that. And I've seen people do it marvelously. At the same time, I've seen people say, it isn't necessarily that I'm going to make a wholesale pivot around what it is that I do. But what I do want is to maybe elevate my profile beyond my organization. And so how do I do that within COVID? And a lot of that is about thought leadership. And so in that instance, I encourage folks to step back and mine and really determine what is it that's your area of expertise? What do you know that other people don't know? And you you take all of this for granted because everybody's good at a lot. So what are you just, you can close your eyes and you're awesome at it. Identify that. Now think about whether only people in your organization know that. And if it is that you want to translate that into something larger outside of your organization, think about creating your own personal brand. And so what is that brand? It's the umbrella under which you're going to do everything, both your job plus anything else that you do. But it all connects. And the thought leadership that you begin to establish takes you outside of just your job, but leverages the job. So examples could be that you start a podcast. Examples could be that within a professional association, you take on a visible leadership role. It could be that you're part of a community-based group that's doing some unique things in the community in which you live that require leadership in a very different way. All of those things let you leverage what you've done, position yourself beyond just your area of work under some larger brand so that you can, even in COVID, pivot. 
So how does one balance the two? How do you use this time to make sure that you are doing what you need to do? So how do you continue to network? How do you continue to impress your boss? What are the things that you can do online? You would hear a lot of things. Oh, you know, make sure when you're in the office, make sure, you know, impress your boss, dress this way, dress that way bring snacks or something, but you can't do that now. So what are some practical things that you can do if everything is done virtually? So one is assume that this is your agenda to manage and own, develop, manage and own, not your managers, because your manager may have varying degrees of awareness around what needs to be done in the COVID environment. So with that ownership, for instance, If you don't have a regular time that you're talking with your manager, put it on the calendar and make sure that it's happening. And by the way, you set the agenda. So you say there are three things we're going to talk about, one, two, three, and they know that you set a cadence, a regular cadence with them. So what happens then? This manager is accustomed to talking with you. It moves from being informative, probably to being consultative at some point. And so the nature of the relationship begins to change over time. But again, you own that. You set the agenda. You also do that with two or three key individuals who have areas of expertise that you'd like to make sure you are gaining over time, not your manager. And so what happens is you don't have to call it mentoring or anything like that, but these individuals get to know you and you're able to absorb from them what they do incredibly well. Get on their calendar. Find out if they've got an opportunity to use someone on a volunteer basis to get closer to what it is they do. And if you don't ask, you won't know, right? So so what you're doing is creating this web that goes beyond just your job. In addition to that, you know, your peers over time will be incredibly influential in a variety of ways. Nurturing those relationships is something I tell people is so important and often they forget to do it. So figure out how it is that you connect with your peers. And that could be that you say to one or two of them, you know, if you want someone to be a a different set of eyes to take a look at something you have in draft, I'm happy to do that. So that keeps you in regular contact with them. You're more of a confidant with them. You're a thought partner. And when you've done that over many years and you seeded that kind of thought capital, people regard you very differently. So when you can be very smart about how you use your time, making sure you're intentional around the interactions that you have. If you don't have anything to talk about, don't schedule the time. So just be really smart about it. But knowing that you've got to kind of sprinkle the dust of contact and the contact has to be based on substance. So there is a give and take with people. More specifically, so when you're in these constant virtual meetings, how do you stand out? You're in a virtual meeting several during the week. There's 10 people in the video call. How do you stand out and be heard? Yeah, I tell people, individual that's constantly raising their hand in the chat or constantly talking becomes can be annoying. <laughs> That's right. So what happens is you want to be known as the individual who says something and they say it with gravitas and it's very thoughtful, but it isn't that you're the constant chirper. So what does that mean? You're prepared when you go into that conversation. If it's ad hoc, 
then in any instance, you are listening intently, you are synthesizing, you are visually reading cues when you look at the gallery of people. That's so important. And you're you're intuiting where people are, what their questions may be, even if they're asked questions. And you're then also doing the same thing you would do in person. But you are reading the crowd and figuring out where people are. And what you're doing, again, is staking out your position when it comes to thought leadership. On one or two issues, you'll have a position, not a question, because a question often is just simply a way to cloak your thought, but you're, you're kind of cowardice about it. You're just not actually saying what you think. So you will have a position. If it is a position that says, I have a concern or have a criticism, you're going to automatically marry up solutions at the same time that you bring up issues. So what happens? You're known then as a critical thinker. On a few things you're weighing in, you're weighing in heavily with insights and with potential solutions. And that happens once in a call. That regularity is something people come to expect. I always say the way you show up day one in any setting is the way people expect you to be. So keep that in mind. But again, this is about what you can do. You, if you're known as being able to go deep on a topic and you have that expertise, but on a call, you're able to take that expertise, not talk in terms of the, the jargon, right? Technical jargon but be able to read folks and be able to then translate that into something that influences and leads that may be your signature, right? So you want to think about what is it that you want to do and influence and become known for? And how is it that people know that when you speak, it does matter because there's thought behind it. And what about that chat function? I mean, there's some people are speakers and actually talking and other people are putting questions in the chat function, which is, I guess, I, I treat it the same way as the verbal, right? Okay. So if all I'm doing is saying, hello, everybody, it's a great day. And I'm just, I've got chatter going on. To me, that's not a great use of time. What I'm going to do is weigh in on only one or two things and there's going to be substance behind it. And it may be, for instance, that what I've done is volunteered at the end to take something that needs follow-up and that's where you hear from me, right? It may be that I'm coming up with solutions and that I'm attaching two or three links to resources that can help people in the issue that has been discussed because I've already been looking at it. So using the time, the electronic real estate very smartly to again, have a voice that matters on substance and not chatter, not established chatter. Don't you just love all this knowledge from Cynthia Hardy? Let's keep it going. So how can women, and in particularly women of color and people of color, how can they stand out in this virtual world of of business? Yes. So I see this as we focus on leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and innovation in organizations, nonprofits, and companies. And often the conversation is around how is it that when you look at the composition of an organization at the higher levels, we are not represented. Women, particularly women of color, people of color, BIPOC. And so when I step back from that, I begin to say, where are we included? One, where do we have a voice? Two, how are we evaluated and considered and by whom? Three, 
Those things all matter in an organization. So if you pay attention to those three things and think about what you can control and where you can get others to act on your behalf, that's how you're going to get the ability to, to move some things forward. There are a lot of things you have no control over, but there are a lot of things that you do control. So if you think one, where are we showing up, right? So inevitably it'll be in connection with the work that we do most immediately. So when we do that, we do it incredibly well. We're always focused on excellence, but it's excellence plus that actually moves you forward. And that plus means you have to build the networks. You have to work those networks. You have to establish authority beyond your job. That's a lot of work, but that's what we have to do. And so you have to do that as much as you do the work itself. And the trick is that you bring those things back into the conversation about work. So I'm mentoring an individual and we're talking about phenomenal work they're doing. They're a vice president in an organization, having been there about seven or eight years and moved along. Well, the organization believes that this individual is pretty much tapped out. And I said to them, but I know that you're doing work in these other organizations outside of work because we've been talking about this. I know how you've been catalytic in thinking and bringing results that are significant to nonprofits, to other arenas. How are you bringing that work back into your job? Now, the individual had never thought to do that. I said, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to connect that work to their sense of social mission and corporate responsibility. And by the way, you've already done some of the things that they want to do. So you give them a platform for doing more of what they want to do, leveraging what you already have been doing. So when you connect the two, now this individual is the go-to for issues related to some of the diversity things that they want to do in the organization. And by the way, she's been working on this for more than the eight years she's been at the company. All of a sudden, her stock has risen. Why? Simply because they became aware of work she was already doing. And we found a way to connect it to their sense of passion and purpose. Now, they believe she's got a lot more runway. And it's a shame because she had it regardless of this outside conversation. But it took bringing the outside in in order for them to believe and see that her runway is so much greater than just the VP role she's in. So you have to say, okay, how am I going to navigate? And I liken this to playing chess. Right. You're never going to make an improvident move just reacting at the moment. You're going to study the board. You're going to know moves to be made. You're going to know moves that other people can make. And in the end, you want to win. So you're going to be thoughtful, but you're, you're going to be very intentional about winning over time. And that's what I think we have to do. We have to say, am I? And you have to know why you're in it. Right. So if a win for you means, you know, I'm really here to get the experience from this company, the brand behind me, and I'm going to be here for a shorter tenure and then I'm going to roll. That might be what's a win. Right. It could be that, you know what, there's certain comp that I needed to get and I'm making it work for me. You could say, okay, there's a broader play here. But again, what's the chessboard? You set the board and how what's a win for you? If you're intentional about knowing that as a person of color in these roles, then it isn't about how limiting it can be and how stifling it is. You actually turn it on his head because now you're running the game. You know why you're in it. You know what you need to do to win. You know the players that you can 
bring to bear to work on your behalf. And you're running this so that you can win. When you think about it that way, it's a very, very different approach. In fact, I I liken this to a conversation I had recently with a group of African-American women. And I said, you know, one of the things that I encourage us most to do is start with ourselves Mm -hmm. and forget the environment you're in. It's going to have issues and impediments. That's a given. But I want you to think about the mental deficits that we have and how it is that we overcome those before we play the game. Here's what I mean. I said, so imagine we are running track and you're on the field and you you get into the starting block, right? And so if it is that the starting blocks, everybody lines up, but your block is back 30 feet. Why? Because you question whether you can run the race and if you've got the skills and if you can be successful, you got all these questions. So because of those, they put you back 30 feet, gun goes off, everybody is running. The work to just get to your starting block means it's going to be very difficult for you to catch up and then win and compete. So the mental deficits that we create, I think are so important for us to know and work on them and step up to the blocks like our peers who may not be qualified. Guess what? They still are in the blocks running, right? Intending to win. But when we can mentally ensure our deficits aren't something that we allow to be impediments, right? That they are things that we will work on like everybody else does. And it's impetus to do more, not a deficit that cripples us. Then that gives us a very different starting block as we're in these jobs. So then how does this help the woman who has felt that she's had to step away completely or just step back from her role. Statistics show that since COVID, a lot of women who were moving up the ranks, now you have children at home. So the woman now feels that she has to take care of the child. Either she's quit or she's just stepped back from her role. How do you help these women get back into the workplace? They're going to need help. And as I talk with these women, because their reality, it's real. And they often are carrying a tremendous load and family care is so significant. And if it is that they are having to step away or step back, they're going to need help when they come back. And I I encourage people to think about, okay, and there are organizations that have sprung up around this, but there are networks and there are people who can definitely help. So if you want to go back into your same organization, stay connected to the people there as you, right, are stepping away from it. That's so important. Keep your connections going. And that may be hard, but that is a really, really basic thing to do. If you're going into an organization that you were never in or you want to recapture the position you had, maybe move move up even as you're thinking about the next role, it's going to take a lot of conversation around who you know. And that is the reality, not what you can do that will be established, but who you know. So the power of the networks and tapping organizations that are helping women with reentry post-COVID or during COVID, and there are plenty of them, combine those organizations that can help you with the networks that you've built. And then within your network, asking people for help, saying, this is where I am. This is what I can bring. This is what's happened in the last couple of years. And this is where I specifically need help. 
Can you help me or tell me one or two people who can? And the help that I need is either in looking at my resume, helping me role play, helping me identify the right spot, helping me look at my skills versus what the market wants and seeing if I've got the fit, helping make me ensure that as I approach an organization for a role, that I'm best suited for that conversation and I'm ready for it. But being really specific about where you need help because people won't say no. They just need to know what help you need. And that's, as I've gotten older, (laughs) you you start to realize that you have to ask for what you want. Yes. And as women and as black women, where we're, we're always saying, I'm the strong black woman. And no, it's <laughs> like, no, if we need to ask for help, because if we don't ask, like you said, no one's going to know that you need it. And they'll just yes. say, OK, well, you got this. And then there you are twisting in the wind. What about this great resignation? Who are these people? Are they I don't <laughs> think they're people of color or or are they? Well, in part, they are. But the great resignation is primarily people who are retiring. And that's 80 percent of the people that you see moving out of the workforce. Many of them are people of color. And so they are people who maybe were on the bubble. And if they are 57, 58, they were going to work until they were 62 or 65. They're saying, nope, I'm done. There are people who are in their 60s who were continuing to work to say, I've been at this for longer than I thought. I'm done. But you've got 80% of the folks in the great resignation who are retiring. Now, some of those folks will come back into the workforce at some point, but many are saying, this is it. The 20%, because I began to look hard at these numbers, trying to understand what this was about. So for the 20%, you have a number of people who say, you know what, this is all about lifestyle. I know I can do a job from anywhere in the world for these kinds of companies. And that's what I want to do. And maybe I'm too constrained in the company I'm in now. So I'm going to leave. And there are people that are freelancing. They're finding organizations that let them do what they want, where they want, when they want. And so that's about lifestyle choice. And it's about lifestyle balance also. I think people are finding a greater sense of balance around home and care of home and the people in the family and their own desires and work in a way that we hadn't done before. And I actually think it's really good. What it all means is that companies have to stay on their toes. They have to have a competitive value proposition for their employees, which now fundamentally has got to include elements of flexibility that wouldn't have been included before. But for those that are retiring, I do think it's going to be interesting to watch because my guess is that some of those folks, a fair number, may come back into the workforce. And that COVID with fears around safety, with family care needs, a lot of things are precipitating the choice to say, I'm going to retire. But I think some, many of those in that group will also come back. Of course, this all depends. But is this a good time to start your own business, to do that? that plant business that you always wanted to open up a coffee shop. Well, maybe that's not a good idea to open up a coffee shop, but is this, <laughs> you can't physically go, but is this a good time to, to do that? I, I, we see more commercials. The credit cards are, are saying, you know, you're that entrepreneur, you know, get this business credit card, get this business loan. Is this really a good time to say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and start that business I always wanted to start? As an entrepreneur, I say yes. But what I encourage people to do first is 
understand what it is that you think you may want to do, what product or service you want to offer. And don't think that you can't drink your own Kool-Aid and think, I've got something awesome. I'm ready to open my business. What you need to do is understand who is it that I would be selling my product or service to and what do they want, need, and will pay for. So use the time to actually figure out what it is that you're going to offer to the public or B2B or B2C. And then the most important things is what do they want, need, and will pay for. If you spend the time doing that, that is a critical foundation for a business. You may decide "Mm, there's a mismatch between what I was thinking and what the where the market is. You may decide, guess what? Not only have I found that there's a great match, but I see a niche opportunity, which would be ideal. And therefore I should go forward. But take the time to do that. And then let that help you decide whether to green light moving into entrepreneurship. All right. So who is your Amazon best-selling book, Crossing Meridians, Engineering Disruptions to Become a More Effective Leader? <laughs> Who's that book for? That book is for aspiring to mid-career leaders. So take your daughter who's been out of college for what, four years now to the individual that's probably up to the vice president level. And for those folks, I stepped back and thought about what I'd seen over decades, leading organizations, growing leadership teams, really focused on investing in people so that they can be their best. And what I found is often organizations and people think about leadership development as something the company has to do. But I focus on the individual doing it, regardless of the setting you're in, whether it's a big company, small company, whether they focus on leadership development or not, you own it. And how you actually move through the mindset of developing yourself and the method by which you can do it is what I lay out in that book. It includes a workbook. And I say to folks that status quo is unacceptable because that equates to mediocrity. So you've got to learn through discomfort. And that's what Crossing Meridians does. It helps you understand that the path you're typically on is one of the knowns and the familiars. And you've got to step off of that path, engineer the disruption. It's got to be proactive in order to learn to move to higher levels of competency. And doing that is hard work. And I give examples of clients, of people that have worked for me, my own development, And I encourage you to be intensely personal in understanding your beginning meridians. These are the influences that are the imprint on who you are, where you grew up, what your family life was like, what were your economics, what about faith, what are the values? Those things make you who you are. You bring those into the workplace. You don't have an empty slate that's all of a sudden going to be filled up with leadership skills. You start with what you bring, your beginning meridian. So you need to know those. And I encourage you to mine those, define them, and then pick a few. And you're then going to decide some of these are really good. They give me great foundation for doing awesome stuff. But some I've got to get rid of and some I need to work on. And so for the ones that you need to work on, you're going to envision your new meridian, this higher level of competency. And then you're going to be very thoughtful and plan how it is that experientially in the job, you're going to be able to move from your beginning meridian to your new meridian. And that's what the book is all about. I'm very thankful that it's an Amazon bestseller. We've gotten a five in every review. 
that's been written. Kirkus Book Reviews has called it excellent work, uh, cohesive and impassioned, uh, excellent path to leadership. So it's been very well received. I've spoken to probably over 2,500 people now in companies and organizations about Crossing Meridians as a methodology for personal leadership development. And we'll continue. It'll be much like Seven Habits as you think about it, but it's about a methodology that is not just at the personal level, but at organizational level and at a societal level. Crossing Meridians is really all about how you move from one place to the other, doing it in a way that raises your level of competency, but also brings others along. So that's it. Just before we had the interview, I went on Amazon to check the book and it said low in stock, but stock is coming soon. I'm like, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good um, thing. Yeah, I good didn't thing. know that. That's great. So we can be here forever. I hope to have you back. My last question for you, we're at a time right now where a lot of the college students are interviewing for jobs. And if they're looking at corporate America, of course, again, many of these jobs are going to be virtual and also internships. So internship time, interviews are happening, people who are graduating from college, what advice would you give those seeking internships, seeking their first job out of college? Because more than likely, it will be a virtual situation. Yes. So I would tell you that you actually have gained some time and all the commute time, right? A lot of the interface time that required you to spend time just to get to a meeting. Think of it as a net gain. And use that net gain time to your advantage to think about how it is that you further your own leadership development, how you really understand how to play the chess game in the organization you're in so that you know your win and you can move to your win as you're operating within your job. And you also want to continue to build and nurture your networks because that will make the critical difference over time in your ability to be successful in your career. It won't be that you're awesome as an engineer or you're awesome as an attorney on a solo basis that's only going to get you so far. If you want to move exponentially, it's going to require the network and the people and the advocacy from others. So you want to start seeding that now. Thanks, Cynthia Hardy, for this great conversation. For more on Cynthia, her company's website is pivotglobal.com. Again, that's pivotglobal.com. For more information on this episode, please go to undergroundmagnolia.com. That's undergroundmagnolia.com. Just click on the show and all info will be there. While on my website, You will also see all of my podcast episodes, which can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. So please listen, rate, and review. Email me with anything at contact at undergroundmagnolia.com. Again, that's contact at undergroundmagnolia.com. Follow me on Twitter at UMPodcastDV. That's at UMPodcastDV. Unfortunately, my Instagram was hacked and I had to get a new account. And you can now reach me on Instagram at Underground Magnolia Podcast. That's at Underground Magnolia Podcast. Till next time, this is Desiree Avalto, the only Desiree Avalto on the planet. 
for Underground Magnolia Podcast. I'm out. 